episode 108, Cash Practice Continuity Programs and Clinic Buyouts. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Joseph Simon, Perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated hosts as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back to the show. I hope you took advantage of the amazing acupuncture, e-pen, and book bundle pack. It had a great price that has now ended, but always check back. I've been learning a lot about you know marketing and sales and all that type of stuff. So I'm trying you know different things. What will motivate people to purchase? And I hope that you're doing the same thing with your advertising on social media, Facebook, Pinterest, wherever it is that you're advertising. I hope that you're uh, split testing and seeing what copy works, what pictures work. What deal works, especially if you do like a discounted exam, $19 might be giving it all away, 47 might be a little bit higher of a barrier, and you get rid of some of those looky-loos, or maybe don't even discount at all, and position yourself as the best in town and still be able to charge that $97. Just some food for thought for the first part of this year. Today, we got Dr. Joseph Simon. He is a physical therapist. We're going to talk about cash practice marketing ideas, internal referral ideas, continuity programs. I was asking about like, if you know you're going to be a cash practice, whether it's chiropractic, podiatry, whatever, should you purchase a clinic that was insurance? Should you just start from scratch? Being that he's a coach, what's his nine-step program? What are some of the qualities that he notices most doctors are struggling with, say like leadership? And he dropped some really good knowledge on us. Definitely, you can listen to this, take some things away immediately and change what you're doing. Uh, Especially like, when you know you give away swag, he has some hints on that to make your dollar go further, but also make it actually something the patients want. Well, if you are interested in knee pain relief from no needle acupuncture, that's a doctorsperspective.net slash knee. I haven't released that before. Go check it out. As for me, January has been great. Got to see a bunch of friends. Got to see my nieces and my family. Uh, just having a great time. Baby's been doing great, growing, smiling, cooing doing all the things you hope they will do. My wife has bought so many books, so I think I will be able to learn some more Chinese just by teaching the baby some words. So I'm excited about that as well. Okay, we're on the tail end of a three-week cash practice series. 106 was Dr. E, 107 was Dr. Aaron, and now Dr. Joseph. And coming up later, we'll also have some continuation from the holistic dentist back at episode 105. We're going to have what a myofunctional therapist is. I've got a good one on the show and some other guests to be determined. Okay. All the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 108. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in Manhattan, New York. Today on the program, we got a doctor who's been teaching for almost a decade, helping other doctors, alternative healthcare, physical therapists with automation, systems, marketing. He's got several podcasts and his uh, flagship program is called Private Practice Business Academy. Please welcome Dr. Joseph Simon. Thank you so much, Justin. I'm very honored to be on the show. Uh, For a minute there, I forgot that you were calling in from China. So that was, uh, it caught me off guard for a second, but. uh, Sometimes I just don't mention it. I like to like see what you guys do sometimes. Like, wait, wait, where are you calling from? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, by the way. I was like, wait, China, what time is it? <laughs> it's 11 p.m. Ooh, you are a soldier, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love people. And uh, when we first connected, I, I, when you were like, hey, we should jump on a uh, podcast. And I'm like, always oh, more than happy to chat with another podcaster. It's always so much fun. I agree. I agree. Somebody was saying, that's so meta, two podcasters talking about podcasts. It's like, it might be, but it's easier. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So there's several avenues that we can go down, of course, but I think the biggest one that I'd like to chat about is is the cash practice. There's a lot of chiropractors, there's a lot of physical therapists that are sort of leaning towards that direction in an ethical way. And there's always just mind space in the way, or maybe you're in HMOs and having to transfer over So I can ask you some questions or if you are like, no, this is typically that this is what people need to know to start with. And then it's always ends up with a good conversation after that. I know this isn't your first podcast. Uh, Which way you want to go with this? Uh, I I can start off. I mean, it's uh, I'm comfortable with it. This is kind of the story. Even when I do the presentations, uh, when I present in front of large groups or when we're at events or conferences, this is exactly what I start with. So I can I can just dive in and let your listeners get, you know, a little bit more about my about me. 
uh, how I started and um, where, how I ended up, how I ended up getting all the way to this point in, in my career. So, um, so for the listeners that don't know, uh, my name is Dr. Joe Simon. I am a physical therapist by trade. I don't practice anymore. I still own multiple clinics around the country. I would classify myself as a business business owner and a business consultant these days. Uh, how did it all start? Um, the, the quick story, you know, I started a private practice. I quickly expanded to two, thinking I knew what I was doing back then. Uh, no clue. Uh, I think I was just shooting from the hip at the time. But then, you know, like Mike Mike Tyson t- says, you know, you, you think you have a plan until you get punched in the face. And uh, I got punched in the face and I would say 2012. So in 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit New York City. Uh, it destroyed my house. Uh, I had a nice apartment right on the Hudson River uh, that got destroyed. I had two practices. Uh, I had a small practice in downtown New York, which got flooded, and that got destroyed, basically. And then I had my flagship practice, which was a 2,000-square-foot facility that I still have today. But here's the thing. At, at that time, everyone was in survival mode, right? So there was no, uh, no patients. There was no referrals coming in. You could do whatever you want. There was, there was nothing happening besides the fact that I still had staff. I still had to feed my family. I still had to pay mortgage. I still had to do all this stuff, you know, and it, it was crazy. We, you know, it was a time in my life where, you know, I just kind of reeled back for a second and I was just sat there in my destroyed home at, while I was cleaning up the, the sewage out of the, the kitchen. Uh, a little ding went off on my phone. Now, back then, I was doing a small bit of consulting where I was just helping out other local practitioners. And the ding on my phone was a payment that came through PayPal. Uh, Yeah, I was still using PayPal back then. But um, the payment came through and I looked at it. It was a couple of hundred bucks. It wasn't a massive payment. But I'm like, would you look at that? No matter what, the, the monthly payment or subscription was still coming through. And that a little light bulb went off in my head. I said, so... If I could do that, where if it's not a brick and mortar, maybe maybe that's the way I can keep myself alive. But then I said, well, how did I get to that point? Well, you know, I really have a passion for marketing. I really have a passion for sales. I really have the passion for the business aspect of uh, private practice. So I really went to the thinking of if you have $2 left, $1 is going to go for marketing. And that's exactly what I did. I literally took my last dollar. By the way, I was 150000 in debt by month three, by the way, because I was still paying all the overhead. I was paying oh, everything. Wow. And um, yeah, so it was a scary point in my life where I was, and I, you know, uh, I am super thankful for my wife uh, who basically said, listen, um, you know, we, we don't have much, but if we lose everything, what's the worst that can happen? We have to go live with my parents. And I'm like, that is the absolute worst <laughs> that could happen. So <laughs> we were like, uh, it gave me a lot of motivation. So I went down and I did two things. I hired a marketing company because I doubted my own skills. And um, I said, you know what? Let me hire a marketing company. Maybe they could do something. Now, their fee was $6,000 a month. What? I did not have the money, but I signed the contract for a six-month agreement. So I was like, all right, let me, let me just do this. Yes, I have a very high risk tolerance. But on the flip side, I hired a $15 an hour uh, marketing assistant. And I told her, hey, you're going to do everything that I know how to do from my marketing skills and abilities. So, and I set both of them out. And, you know, and I, I and, and don't get me wrong, I gave both of them the same material. I gave them everything to do. The, by the end of the first month, I started to see a little traction for the marketing assistant, not so much for the marketing company. And I spoke to them and they said, hey, look, it takes time. I got it. By month number three, the marketing company generated zero leads. I mean, absolutely zero leads. And they can't just come coming back yeah. to me with excuses. My $15 yeah. an hour marketing assistant had generated 90 leads. And we converted exactly 57 of those, making them 57 paying patients. Uh, we are out of network cash-based practice, so some were uh, insurance, some were cash. But I started to dig myself out of the hole. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I said, wow, look at this. I, my confidence in my own skills and my abilities started to come back. So then I kicked it up again for the next month. And my assistant, who's now these days, she's actually my partner in my management company after, uh, that was a long time ago, that was six years ago, because she learned, she learned everything from the ground up. So here's a person that was just graduated fresh out of college and wasn't sure what she wanted to do for a living. And 
came in and was just like, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll learn marketing. And uh, her yeah. life was changed as well. But long story short, I fired the marketing company after month four. They wanted the last two months payments, yada, yada, yada. But I, I just showed them the stats. I'm like, guys, you did. I paid you right now, you know, and I pay them for the four months. I said, I paid you close to 30 grand and you did nothing for me. I'm actually paying you from the money I'm making from my own yeah. <laughs> marketing. So yeah, that was, uh, that was that, but that, that actually did two things. It, besides the fact that I kept all my employees fed, it paid for the rent, it paid for the mortgage, it paid for the repairs. Besides doing all of that, it did something very special, which I didn't realize at the time. Back then, I had the ability where other practice owners were looking around and saying, hey, what are you doing? Like, this is insane. Like, and not just physical therapists, by the way. I attracted other physicians, my dentists, chiropractors. Uh, I say alternative health, but all types of medical practitioners started to come to me because they start to see my advertising. They start to see what I was doing. They start to see my workshops. They, they, they were like, hey, we can barely get a patient in the front door. Now, traditional physical therapists back from when I started, uh, the model back then was, was to align yourself with an orthopedic surgeon and the orthopedic surgeon would send you patients and you had to give him his staff lunch yeah. and you basically had to kiss butt. Um, but yeah. I flipped that entire model on its head. I said, I no longer need a referral source. I am going directly to the general public. And now the orthopedic surgeons are coming to me asking me, for patients because they're like, hey, uh, I see you have a patient that might need surgery. You know, let me take you out to lunch. And now I was getting the cell phone numbers. It changed the entire paradigm of what I created. And I was like, and then obviously other physical therapists were coming to me and saying, hey, I we really want to understand your process. And it took me a couple of years. It wasn't something overnight, but I created a nine-step process that I use to this day. That I when I consult and coach other practice owners. Uh, across the board, I teach them the nine-step process. And I'm like, if you are if you are an out-of-network, cash-based practitioner, this is something that will definitely work for you. And um, that is my story in a nutshell. Yeah. That's exactly how I present it. Um, and, we, and where I am today, today we are up to 11 uh, physical locations. I have about 22 private clients that work with me. And yeah, at this point in life, it's I've I found a kind of work-life balance, but it's it's my unique ability. It's my fun, you know? So I, I really like, like I said in the beginning, I really enjoy the business strategy and the marketing and sales aspect of it. That's, that's my passion, you know? And don't get me wrong. I, I still get that dopamine hit when I do treat a patient every once in a while, I have to plug myself in and help out. And, uh, I, I still love the fact when the patients bring in cookies or they, you know, they say, Hey, I feel so much better with that. It was, it's amazing. And, you know, so don't get me wrong. I, I, I still get that. I, that's the one thing I do miss, but I understand that being the captain of the ship, you have to give up a few things. When I first started a clinic, fresh out of school, didn't know what I was doing, bought a practice, ended up being one of those. And I know that's something that you do, so it's going to like lead into something. Took a clinic over that just really was overpriced and everything. And then within the first six months, the landlord decided to redo the parking lot and redo the outside. So it just looked like a complete construction zone. I was like, I really don't know what's going to happen in the next, if I'm going to be in business over the next six months, you know, while I was getting done. And then, you know, you kind of go through the next, you know, you, you figure it out. You, you get creative with your marketing. You start reaching out and touching people's hands and you know, <laughs> just really hustling to get it done because there's no other option. So to be able to get through a hurricane like that and just have everything just kind of a uh, upended and seen through the tunnel and 150,000. I mean, that's somebody's uh school loan. And we're talking about, okay, now I got a school loan. Now I got this. Yeah. Ah, so that's pretty wild. It's, uh, it's, it's absolutely. And I mean, the, the hurricane is one thing, but I've consulted with practitioners yeah. where it's always something. It could be a divorce. It could be, you know, the, you know, the, the, the clinic was burned down. Uh, we went through uh, one of my clients right now. Honestly, they just have such poor systems in place that their staff is embezzling thousands and thousands of dollars and they just don't have a finger on the pulse of their practice. So they have no idea what's happening. So the nightmares are not just the hurricane, like hurricane was a physical thing, right? The ship got rocked, survived the storm, but there's so many different aspects of it. And like I said, sometimes it, the, the beauty of being in healthcare in most professions, uh, you make a good living. You know, you make a very good living. You're not breaking rocks for a living. You're, you're doing well. And that's why it's my saying. I'm like, guys, you're not out there 
you're not a bricklayer. You're not physically doing something. I mean, maybe an orthopedic surgeon is physically doing something and a physical therapist might be physically doing something, but you're still not at that yeah. level of phys- physicality. So I tell, I tend to tell people, I'm like, you know, you have the ability to almost get a job anywhere yeah. in the world, <laughs> as we see from China. <laughs> but uh, that's, uh, that's the beauty of it. I mean, the downside is that you're right. just not trained in business. And when you're in private practice, that is something that is so, and I know I, these days I'm at the point where I try to give back as much as possible. And I'm really trying to get to most of the colleges and I'm trying to get to most of the universities and get a chance to speak to the seniors of any profession and talk to them about, Hey, this is business because at the end of the day, we all have the same problem. How do you get a patient in the front door? (laughs) You know, and how do you get that patient to talk? nice about you, refer more about, refer more patients to you, you know, and how do you, cause I know I, I assume that you're a great practitioner already in whatever you do, but how do you get that patient in the front door and how do you get that patient to refer, refer right. more patients to and you? And what's interesting you mentioned earlier was, you know, as a chiropractor, we always had to pretty much get out there and hustle and, and do marketing to not, some of us go to doctors to try to get those kind of clients, but really we're always out there trying to, you know, meet people through different media outlets. And you're saying that it was like a novel thing where you're like, no, I decided to go out there and market. And that's what, to me, that's interesting because you didn't have to go that way before. And so it's a new thing you know, for physical therapy, like to have to go out and directly market and laws have changed where now, uh, I think in most states, you can actually have direct access to patients. So you don't have to be referred in by a medical doctor. Have you, that's pretty correct, right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, the majority of the states, even the states that do not have direct access, I've seen some great physical therapists that have uh, figured out different ways. They've taken my material and they said, okay, I'm going to still get the patient to come in the front door, but now I'm going to send that patient it to my physician. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to say, hey, doc, I'm going to send this patient over to you and I just need a prescription for this patient. So I'm giving you a patient. So they've taken my entire model, which I tell all the time, I'm like, you should give before you receive. And the, what the, that's exactly what we flipped, right? And the, the, the model before was the fact that, hey, uh, knock on yeah. the door. Hey, I need a referral. I need a referral. <laughs> and you're not giving anything. Right? You're like, what are you giving? You're giving them a lunch? You're giving them lunch? And I can understand. Like, I can imagine. And don't get me wrong. Th- these days, my front desk staff will tell me, hey, we have someone that wants to buy lunch. And, I, and I'm like, lunch is not necessary. If they just want a meeting, we would love to have them for a meeting. I'm like, we would love to share time with them. We would love to, you know, if they want to uh, all go out for dinner, we'll split dinner. You know, well, there's no need for <laughs> buy us something for, you know, that's that's yeah. where my thinking is at the point. So uh, I think most are changing now. And I think the next generation coming out have adopted exactly what you said, where the, uh, the chiropractic model has been doing it for years, where they're like, hey, we have to get out there and hustle and grind. We have no choice. There's uh, you know, sometimes we might, in some states, we're looked down upon by the medical community. In some states, we're looked held up high and saying, "Hey, this is the this is the route you have to go." So it, it all depends. And some doctors shoot themselves in the foot with horrible advertisements. It, exactly, it all depends on the yeah. advertising as well, right? Well, question for you. Okay, I think one of the things that you do is practice acquisitions, and uh, it can get tricky. You know, if you have an HMO, if you're looking at a practice to purchase, sometimes they're very uh, insurance-based and you're like, I don't really want to do insurance. I'm going to do cash. So a question there would be, should you skip on that type of clinic if you're looking to purchase one? And then second, what are some general top two things to really be aware of if you're going to look into purchasing a clinic? Oh, great question. You know, Justin, that's a, a great question. It's a loaded question because it's not an easy answer, but the quick answer is the numbers don't lie. And this is for a cash price. Right. So, uh, again, it, uh, no, even, even, it doesn't matter what, it, 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 I would just say a business okay, in general. Okay. The numbers don't lie. So, I mean, if you have three pieces of paper, if you have the income statement, which is also known as the profit and loss statement, if you have a balance sheet and you have a cash flow statement from the, the provider saying, hey, I need these three things. If you hand me those three things, I can be a detective. And I can tell you the story of that clinic. Um, if they give it to me for the entire year, if they have it monthly, it's even better. But if they give it to me and I can work backwards, I can tell you the story of that clinic and I can say what's going on. And then sometimes just questioning like, all right, what's what's happening here? Like what happened in month, you know, in, in May that you guys did so great? And why did you dive in the summer? And 
what's going on in September. And, you know, so there's a lot to it. So even if it's HMO, if it's a it's a out of network or if it's uh, cash based, whatever it is, the, the numbers don't lie. And once we start diving in a little bit deeper by looking at the claims, by looking at the reimbursement rates, uh, that's one thing. And then the next thing is we, you know, you have to understand the staff, the staff that's currently working there. Is this staff able to handle a transition? Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they won't make it, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and sometimes they it, realistically, the doc is burned out. Right. And and when I come into those practices and the doc's burned out and, and thinks and everyone thinks their baby is worth way more oh. than it's worth. You know, that's a that's a that's a sad truth behind it. And I get it. I mean, if somebody came to me today and said, hey, I want to buy a practice. But great. This is what I'll sell for. Yeah. But, you know, but everybody wants a way a higher sum. Some are realistic. Majority are not. But when we go through this process, we kind of just question them and say, okay, th- this is the stages. This is what it's worth to us right now. How can we make this a fair deal? Because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to rip anybody off. And I'm like, Hey, I want you to leave. I want you to leave this meeting saying, wow, I, I feel like I got the upper hand on this guy. I really going to make something good, but you know what? In return, I want to make sure that I wrap this up with a bow before I step away from it. Right. Right. So they're obviously the majority of people I've dealt with are good people. They're just in bad situations or they're just at the point where they're just tired. They're like, hey, I can't do this anymore. Is there something that we can do together? Uh, I will look at that venture first before I come in and say, "Okay, I'm going to take it over completely because I'm a firm believer in most of the practitioners uh, that have that are owners. I should say that most of these private practice owners are realistically operators. They're not owners. And to transition them from an operator to an owner is a pain point that they cannot get past. And they it, they would benefit having someone like me as being their back end for them, saying, hey, I'll handle all the back end stuff for you. You get to be the good guy. I can be the bad cop. You know, like when we have staff meetings, oh, Joe is here. He's the bad cop. And I have no problem with it. And I, I, I just say that jokingly. Because the staff, when you come in for staff meetings, everyone's happy because they want you want to have a good team around you. But it, it's amazing to see the mood, the the mood shift in somebody, the mindset change in someone when they don't have that stress on their shoulders anymore. When they say, when they can say, "Wow, you know what? I can do what I like to do, and that's to treat patients and have some autonomy, right? Where I'm like, hey, I can treat whatever way I want." And I can have a little more flexibility in my day. I don't have to, you know, if my day ends at five, I don't have to, you know, do payroll. I don't have to figure out how to get a patient in the front door. I don't have to, you know, figure out the health insurance for my employees. I don't have to figure out schedules. All that's kind of taken care of for you. And you're like, wow, that's, if that, you know, 52% is taken off your plate. And I always ask them, if this is taken off your plate, what are you going to do with your free time? And I'm a big proponent in telling my partners that, you need to spend more time with your family. You need to pick up a hobby. You need to do stuff that will clear your mind that when you're in the clinic, you are at 150%. You're, you're killing it when you're there. You know. Do you find that when you're trying to take over a clinic, you can negotiate something to where that doctor stays on for a few months at a certain percentage of collections or something like that to make the transition a little bit easier? It, it all depends on the, the deal, okay. obviously. I my personal opinion is if the oper- <clears throat> the current owner wants to uh, step out, was just like, hey, listen, uh, my head is not in this. I can't do it. It all depends on that current owner. Um, it doesn't benefit the transition period at all. And look, sometimes that clinic might not be the one that I purchase because if what guarantees me that his patient base is going to stay, if he doesn't have a team in place already and he's just a solo practitioner and he wants to sell his practice. Uh, I'll be the first one to tell you that practice is probably not going to be able to sell because what guarantees me that patient base is going to stay? And I, I've made this mistake before. I bought that solo practice and I lost probably about 70% of the clientele, you know, after he stepped away. And it was a nightmare. And I'm like, this is, and we had everything built out where there was a transition period and you get a percentage, but his heart wasn't in the game anymore. And he didn't care if patients came or didn't come. But so again, the, the ability to kind of, you know, flip through these deals. And if it's, it's something I would pass on personally at this point in my career, but if someone's looking at it right now, your your number one question would be if the owner operator has stepped out out and stepped away, will you be able to retain that level of referrals or that patient base, you know, and 
what, where else would they go? What's the competition look like? You know, will they jump ship and go to a competition? What separates you from that competition? So th- there's a lot of questions that would come up in the, in that, you know, uh, due diligence period. I was talking to somebody one time and they're like, man, goodwill, that type of stuff. He's like, I don't know if I'd, I'd pay much at all for that because there's no guarantee the patients will like you and stay. And so they were just like, you know, you really got to, you know, I used four different formulas when I sold my clinic. And that way I could kind of know like, oh, that's a low ball offer. Oh, that's a really good offer. And so I kind of had like that, that play window of, of I can negotiate here and not feel like I'm getting taken advantage of, you know? Yeah. And that's, everyone has their, the formulas that, that works. And I think that's a great takeaway. You didn't just use one method. I think the takeaway there was that you had four different methods to go by. And you said, hey, look, if this one is, it gives me at this point and this one is, is a little bit too low, you had a couple of different aspects. So you were actually a very knowledgeable I paid uh, somebody. seller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Otherwise, exactly. I would have been like, yeah, this practice is worth so much. They're like, yeah, no. <laughs> but the the multi-million dollar uh, that's what everyone wants right they want the multi-million dollar exit yeah. but you know it's not the 1980s and early 90s anymore you know so the, those days are gone would you recommend people starting from scratch yeah is that a better uh, option these days for cash practice i absolutely do i mean there is there is a formula to follow to even do that but i recommend instead of saddling yourself with any debt or leases that might be in place already i think starting from scratch is fine depending on what your exact niche is, right? So uh, depending on your niche, if you can create something where you could build the following pretty fast, then I would say starting from scratch, like we have a formula down right now where we're always trying to tweak it. And uh, we have a break even at this point with our latest clinic that we opened from scratch that we have a break even at six months, you know? So uh, it's not always the case, but it was just something we really have been fine tuning. And before that we were, you know, we were at 18 months, then we were at 13 months, uh, then we came down to nine months, and now the latest practice that we started from scratch, we're at six months break even. So that is, you know, that's something where we're like, hey, we're learning from our mistakes. How can we do it better? What can we, you know, what can we do? And to be honest, it, it, it's sometimes cheaper to do it that way than buying a practice where you're not guaranteed that, you know, that return. And you're saddled with staff, you're saddled with debt, you're saddled with uh, whatever it may be. So there's two ways to look at it. There's, yeah, can I retrain the staff the way I need it? I mean, realistically, it's you're really buying talent. I wouldn't even say you're buying the patient list. Uh, my my personal preference is you're really buying the talent that currently works there, and uh, that could be an office manager, that could be an admin, that could be uh, a treating clinician. Um, but you're really buying the talent, and that's the key takeaway I want everyone to grab grasp on this. It's don't fixate on the patient list because. If you've lost that patient list by tomorrow, what do you have left? You just have the staff that's there. And will that staff be able to follow you to the promised land is the question. One person told me, they said too, um, I want to know what the email list is. And I want to know what the frequency of which you emailed these people. Because <laughs> it's kind of hard to reactivate somebody with a postcard and a phone number that they've changed three times in the last five years. But an email that's been used and scratched, what do they call it? Um clean through, you know, these, these MailChimps, yeah. they'll, they clean up your files and everything like that. Like if you have a strong, you're like, wow, okay. So this could, you know, this could turn into something and kind of on the same vein of like email lists and things. I heard one of your podcasts, uh, I guess it's been a while when I looked at the, uh, the date of it, but are doctors able to have continuity programs? You mentioned getting a text for a couple of hundred bucks. Hey man, that's living the dream right there. I think. So have y'all found anything that's worked well for doctors, whether it's a membership practice or coaching services or what have you found or have you found anything so far? Um, it's, and you're right. That podcast episode was, uh, I think 2015 or 2016. It's been a couple of years since I uh, I put the, the those that, that was the private practice business academy. Uh, I think we recorded about seventy five episodes, and and then I kind of called it quits. I took a year hiatus from everything uh, in twenty seventeen, and just twenty eighteen I started to come back slowly with my new podcast. But going to your question about continuity uh, model, you know, it's it's funny. There's a couple of different physicians that I've seen make it work to a uh, to a concierge point where they charge you, you know, a monthly fee and you have access to that primary care physician, you have access to the basic the basic tests and measures they can provide. But the rest would be covered by insurance and there would be no back billing or there would be no overbilling or, you know, um, what do you call it? Um, 
coverages. So, I mean, I've seen that model work. I've seen some providers put in place a health program in place where they have a nutritionist on staff and they have a, uh, a, a continuity model based off of that. I've seen others create a online portal where they're like, okay, the exercises are here. You have the ability to access these exercises. I don't believe, and then of course there's the telemedicine concept. I don't believe anyone's perfected it to the point where it, that alone is generating enough by itself. I think that's a, a a good step. I think that's a great tool in the in the chain um, that keeps the whole machine going. And I think it's a great lead generation by all means. Right. Uh, we've used a couple in our clinics uh, from monthly maintenance to having a uh, on-site uh, exercise database for clients. You know, and we would have patients in there. You might have 50, you might have 20, you might have nine, you know, and you'll, you'll keep those patients. But the point is you have ongoing contact with those patients. So I don't think it's a revenue generator by any means. I think if you look at it for what it really is, is you're keeping the loyalty of that patient, just like every other continuity program is designed to be. And that's why I think physicians, and I, when I say physicians, guys, I, I really mean uh, all providers, from physical therapists, chiropractors, uh, doctors. Um, I think that's the way physicians make the biggest mistake. They think that if I have a continuity program, it has to be expensive. Yeah. It has to be a thousand dollars a month. It has to be five hundred dollars a month because I am a physician, and that's I think the dumbest thing. I'm like, you could have a loss leader, which we've done as our continuity, which is an you make zero money from it, but it's guaranteed loyalty of those patients, and we've had patients in our clinics for over, you know, 12 years and they've just been keep, they come back every year and their insurance might change. Cause when they hurt themselves, they're going to pay you. Yeah. you know, it's just that need whenever they have that need, you know, it's just like common cold. Whenever they, you know, whenever they're sick, they're going to come to you. Whenever they pull their back out, they're going to come to you. Whenever they, uh, you know, strain their ankle, they're going to come to you. Right. So it's just, you want to be top of mind and you want to have, they want to feel they have that access point. Have you, have you done any, being that your physical therapy, like a little gym with like a side door off to the main practice where you become a patient. If you want, you can be a part of this gym. You can come in, you know, do a couple of different machines or whatever it is you need to do. And there's always some sort of staff member of some sort kind of watching over you. And the doctor's right here in the other room if you need them. Has that worked any better? Or? Uh, I mean, some, some clinics have run that. I don't have the stats on how they have made it work. We, back in okay. the day, used to run boot camps. Uh, so complete boot camps, and that would be our lead gen for our uh, wellness clinics. So obviously, if somebody in the boot camp was injured, like, hey, you should stop off and get checked out. Uh, I know clinics right now that are built inside of CrossFit gyms where they work directly yeah. with the trainers. Uh, so the trainer, as part of the, the initial assessment, would say, hey, you get a, a quick screen by our physical therapist or chiropractor that's on staff. Uh, and I've seen that model work where they are a huge referral source to that clinic. So there's there's multiple ways that I've seen um, it work. And, and I, say, I say that that it's it, it all depends on the the facility. It depends on the, you know, yeah. the, the staff that's working there. But that model, I think the fitness angle um, works to an extent because it's incongruent to each other at times. Because if somebody's coming to work out and they have an injury – the classic model is, hey, you need to stop working out. So, you know, so then the trainer is like, hey, I, I sent a guy over to you and you told him to stop working out, but that's my money. Why would we stop working out? You know, so it's just a very interesting concept, but you can make it work. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer in it. I have no people that have done it. And I see the, the, the new crop of PTs coming out really that have no money and they don't have money for to buy assets like gym equipment. They are just opening up within gyms. And they're really relying on those uh, gyms for as a referral source for the general public. So that's a, a starting point for them, a very cheap starting point for them. Okay, I'll have to scratch my own itch and start looking out on LinkedIn for people in that in that realm. That's gonna be that would be a good podcast episode right there. When we're talking ads, you're talking about marketing and everything. What are you noticing? It might be Facebook ads, but what are the best bang for your buck? Are you just running a simple discount coupon? Or is it like a video of explaining how good you are? What's the little secret we got for us? Well, for, for, it all depends on the size of the clinic. But I'm going to tell you right now, the best marketing you could ever do, hands down, is your in-house marketing. Is taking care of the current client base you have right now. And people are like, oh, I've heard this before. 
but how do you take care of them? Not just treatment, but what do you give them as gifts? What do they get on their first day? What do they get as just a gift for from um, like a t-shirt from and a mug or something? Yeah, you know, and that's that's what people usually do. And you know, so here's a great. I'm glad you brought that up, Justin, because a t-shirt and a mug most of the time. And I'm going to say everyone listening right now, they're like, yeah, we give out t-shirts, we give out pens, we give out uh, uh, mugs. It's all logoed up with their clinic information. So besides yeah. going to yeah, besides going to a landfill. <laughs> yeah, big and ugly too. <laughs> yeah, pretty ugly because I think about it. Like if you go somewhere and someone hands you a T-shirt and it has their logo on it, no matter how nice the material is, what are the chances of you wearing that T-shirt? Maybe in the house before you go to bed. Maybe uh, when you're doing some work in the backyard. But right. everyone's like, oh, they might wear it out. They'll, they'll never wear it out. <laughs> no, they can be full of grass when they go to Walmart. They will never ever wear it out. And most of the time, I'm going to say – 99% of the time, that t-shirt gets thrown into the donation pile after a little bit. And I've gone down this route and I realized, I'm like, wow, we spent a ton of money on t-shirts. We've spent a ton of money on swag and it just didn't convert like we wanted to. People would say thank you, but we would never see them actually use it or bring it in or whatever it may be. So then we said to ourselves, okay, what can we do? And we realized the biggest hiccup we had was the fact that we put our own logo on everything. So what yeah. if we took our logo off and we put their name on it? And that is my secret, <laughs> beyond secret referral source that I've used over the years. I've taken my logo off and I've paid to have the patient's name put on it. And guess what? Like what, like trust Claire on the back? No, not just you could not even the t-shirt, but let's just go to the coffee mug example. Everyone loves okay. to see their name. Everyone loves to see their name. So think about it. They're having coffee. It's uh, it's Christmas morning. They're having coffee in a big oversized mug. And, you know, the mother-in-law is over and says, where would you get that cup? Oh, you know what? My physical therapist gave it to me. Oh, really? Why are we going to physical therapy? Oh, you know, my back was bothering me. The conversation has started. Who do you think the next patient's going to be? <laughs> you know, the mother-in-law wow. comes in. And this has been proven in the last, I would say, 36 months. We've had an insane uh, increase uh, referral rate by in-house marketing tactics and we've actually paid less in Facebook ads because Facebook has been changing the algorithm so much. You know, my team has been having a hard time with it. So I need to find something different. And ever since I've been using this method of, you know, and this is pure marketing 101 when you use someone's name in any product. And I obviously gave you the, the example of the coffee mug, but feel free to put it on anything that you want, you know, and it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, a coffee mug is. What like, company do you use? It just, I. You can Google personal, and I'm being very honest here. You can go on Google and say personalized gifts, and you'll get a bunch of companies that pop up, and you just have to look for what you okay. want to give that patient. So I don't buy it in bulk. Yeah, I don't think because the bulk of uh, you know chiropractic RS, you can get a hundred of these mugs for pretty cheap. But you start putting Justin on a mug, all of a sudden, oof, that's gonna be a seventeen dollar mug. Yeah, so that that two dollar mug or that ninety nine cent mug is now four bucks. Okay. But so, what's your return on investment on that $4 when you spent it on that one patient, when that patient brings in two other people, or even one person, that person brings in one person and your, and your eval is a hundred bucks. Well, guess what? You spent six bucks with a return of a hundred, not, not a bad day. So, I mean, and they're always very thankful. They're like, what, what's this? But like, Hey, we wanted to say, want to say, thank you. You're, you know, you're a great client. You know, you, we really like to work with more people just like you. You know, you know, and the staff is trained to say that and they get stuff like this and, you know, and they look at it like, this is awesome. You know, and don't get me wrong. We've gone from blankets. We've done chest sets. We've done, uh, you know, we've done, um, what do you call those things? Um, tablets, uh, the covers for tablets, covers for phones. Once you know what type of phone they're using, we've gone, name it, we just got creative, you know, and I would let my staff get creative. And I have a rule. If it's a hundred, if it's under a hundred dollars, you do not need to ask my permission. You can just get it. Yeah. You know, so they have up to a hundred dollars to spend on a referral gift of their choosing that will have the client's name on it. And that is the best marketing you can do hands down better than Facebook, better than Google. Uh, I've been calling it my Facebook killer for my, uh, my consulting clients when I work with them. Cause we come in and I can tell you, I, you know, I, my fees are high, but I get, I have a guarantee that in 90 days we can triple what you pay me. And I can just do that by this simple technique because I can get three times the referral rate 
in about 90 days from their current clients. And whoever's listening, I implore you, do this technique and you'll be you'll see a huge difference. I mean, uh, you know, Justin is in China and he probably has a great <laughs> warehouse close by that he can get all this stuff from. Let me know. He might be a new company that you work with. <laughs> I do outsources. I can get you some stuff. I just charge a small fee, but I can do it. Just on a new company, everyone. Everyone, just, it's a brand new company, Justin. Sorry, he's outsourcing personalized material. I'll be like every Chinese person that you ask, "What do you do?" Uh, I'm in business. In what kind of business? Business. <laughs> You're like, all right. Conversation is apparently done. We don't have any frame of reference. But you know what? <laughs> I was um, chatting with some people earlier in the summer, and they were they were bringing back. It was an old thing that disappeared, and it's come back. It's the box. And exactly what you're talking about, if you're a physical therapist, a carpenter, I'm a big fan of like practical gifts. And I'm not, I'm not talking like a vacuum for your wife for her birthday, but, you know, something kind of practical that, you know, they want, they can use. I think if you think that way for the patient, like you're talking about, you could really get creative and it's not a stress ball, you know, maybe an ice pack or, you know, a mug, but you can get real creative, especially if you're fine with spending 15 bucks or 20 bucks per patient. Cause like you said, if you get a referral off of it, then, you know, you, your exam kind of would cover some of that offset that cost a little bit too. Easily. And I mean, if we think about it, how long does a patient stay in any treatment for, for physical therapy to chiropractic? Um, it could be months, it could be weeks, but it's definitely more than one yeah. visit, right? Hopefully. So we, we look at that lifetime value. And even if you're a podiatrist listening to this, the podiatrist is probably thinking to himself, well, I'm seeing that guy one time. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're doing a uh, a group of treatments for that patient, you know? So it, it all depends on how you look at it and what your reimbursement rate is, obviously. But, you know, then that's what we kind of sit down, we figure out together. We got, we kind of go through yeah. that and say, okay, what what's your average? What are you actually getting per yeah. patient? And once you know that number, it makes it very easy to figure out your marketing and say, okay, you, you're allowed to spend a third of that or you're allowed to spend you know, uh, a quarter of that in your marketing and you can do it any way you want, but, uh, it has a direct correlation, you know, and I am a firm believer of that marketing has a direct correlation to your bottom line. The more marketing you do, the more you, the bigger your bottom line will yeah. be. It just, it's just that I've heard people say, if you can spend, if you can figure out what's work, you know, what works to get patients in and you can close them or whatever, and you have more money, you can spend more on advertising. And all of a sudden, Everywhere people go, they always see your clinic. So it ends up you win because you can spend more money than the next guy. So they always, you know, you're on the top of their mind. So I was like, well, that's interesting. I was like, I kind of like that idea. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did years ago, right? I wasn't the biggest clinic. I was just a one uh, person show in my own clinic back then. But my advertising outpaced most hospitals, yeah. right? Hospitals are only now advertising as like the other, uh, like the other pharma- pharmacology companies are doing. But back then, hospitals didn't advertise. Rarely did you see a hospital advertise anything. Rarely did you see a private practice advertise. And you still don't really see a private practice advertising a lot. And when they do advertise, it's just poorly done. I've seen advertisements where it's just a group picture of the staff (laughs) on a billboard with with the name of the the office. And I'm like, what the hell is that going to do for you? The one cardiac surgeon in the region. Yeah, like, like, uh, all right, that was the most useless it was probably, and, and don't get me wrong, I applaud the sales rep that sold that guy that billboard yeah. because he did a great job you selling that car. I got to tell you, that, yeah, it's the worst advertising ever. And that's that's the biggest problem. They just don't know where to put their money. And they're like, hey, we know. And this, this is my pet peeve. I hate going to a conference when I get a question. Hey, what do you uh, budget for marketing per year? And I, and I look at them and I'm like, well, how much money do you want to make? <laughs> you know, that's the that's the question. That's what you're really asking me. I'm like, so if you want to budget, if I tell you 2%, are you going to say, well, I make this much money on 2%? I'm like, well, imagine what it would be if you spent 4%. <laughs> you know, like it's a, it's a very simple conversation, but I, I, I see the, I see the, the struggle because they just don't know what to do. And that's the problem. But yeah. Um, Doing the in-house technique, it, it works very, very well. I don't know which way I should go here. You already gave a nice answer for the referral. That was one of the questions I was definitely going to have for you was like, what's a good way to generate referrals and maybe like a conversation, you know, how to approach that? Because it can be awkward. Hey, uh, Bob, your headache's gone. Why don't you go ahead and send me your family and friends? And <laughs> <laughs> or you can go with the, what's like two things that most of your clients are struggling with or you find that they struggle with? that you always have to like deal with so they can improve. 
We can go with clients. So, I mean, clients, I'm going to assume uh, we're talking about yeah. business owners, correct? Uh, not patients. Like, I, I don't think I'm patient <laughs> enough. Law. So, <clears throat> the biggest thing um, I see my clients are struggling with right now uh, number one is leadership, number two is actually figuring out the operation mechanisms or systems for their practice uh, because they don't have either, to be honest with you. So when I come in and I say, how do you handle the situation? Most cannot handle confrontation. And, and look, I'm a big fan. If, if you've ever read the, the book Extreme Leadership with um, Jocko Willink, big fan of that book. I implore everyone, this is one of my recommended readings that I, I make all of my uh, clients from my inner circle read because this is so important. Before I even start consulting with them or coaching them, I tell them, like, you have to read this book. You have to understand my mindset about leadership and where we're going to go with it. Because the problem at the end of the day is always you. So yeah. stop blaming everyone else. <laughs> it's always you. <laughs> it's always you. you know? It's always you. If you, get to, if you can be able to absorb that piece of information, then you and I could work together. Because I know I can make you a lot of money. Because once you say to yourself every time when something goes wrong, hey, Susie didn't wake up today. She missed, uh, she missed the bus and she's going to come in late and she won't be able to answer your phones. Crap. Who am I going to blame? Is that Susie's fault? Eh, maybe a little bit. But whose fault really is it? Well, Doc, that's your fault because you didn't instill in the fact into Susie why she needs to come in on time, why she should be waking up early and what the consequence would be if she shows up a half hour late and doesn't answer the phone. Right. So these are things that have to take place. And most doctors in that same situation will grumble under their breath, will say all the mean things in the world about Susie and do absolutely jack. <laughs> they won't do anything at all. And yeah. there will be no confrontation. And Susie will come in and be like, hey, this wasn't a big deal. All right. Guess what? And two weeks later, Susie's going to send a text message to the doc and say, hey, I'm not feeling too good this morning. Um, I'm just not going to come in today. And what happens again? The doc again is going to grumble under his breath and complain <laughs> and do absolutely nothing. And it'll be six months. And in that six month, in that six month time frame, Susie will poison the entire well. She poisons the entire practice. You lose good employees because good employees don't want to work in that atmosphere. They're like, I can't stand working here. So you lose good employees. And then the doc says to himself, man, you know, I'm just going to do everything myself. Or this, this is not worth it anymore. I need to get out of this industry or I have to sell. And that is the number one biggest problem that I see. I know I said two, but the, the systems I got to tell you will all fall. In systems are needed to help with leadership, but leadership is the number one thing I see that everyone, and including myself back in the day before I really started to take ownership of it um, and say, okay, it's me. At the end of the day, it's my fault. If my business partner is failing or cannot lead his team, that's my fault. I didn't teach him the right way to do it. If uh, a clinic lost 20000 this month, hey, that's my fault. It's not the team's fault. What did we do wrong? And then we're just back trying to go through the you know, the, the story to figure out like what happened. So that's the best thing I can share with the listeners today. And that's a, that's a big plate for, uh, it's yeah. a big pill I should say for you, you to swallow, uh, to understand leadership is, is really the key. If we can solve that. I guarantee your life and your practice be a thousand times better. Oh yeah. When I, when I graduated from school 11 years ago, actually, I, I knew I didn't know anything about business. I was trying, you know, I was like, okay, it's time to read some books about business, but I, I had a coach and, you know, they really helped with the processes and systems and things like that. And even with a coach calling you every week, you still drop the ball and you're like, I've got the blueprint, <laughs> you know, step one, step two, and then you go to step four and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot to do step three on this patient. And maybe that's why my numbers are down this month. So Okay, then you need to do it again. And it's just that, that constant reminder. So it's a, for someone to just jump out and not have anyone to help them, it kind of blows my mind. Uh, I got to tell you, Justin, you are a little bit different than the average practitioner, right? Uh, you decided to get help off the bat. That's unheard of. I had no of. money. <laughs> so <laughs> I employed you for that. That is unheard of. The average uh, practitioner out there, from physical therapy to chiropractic, the, the number one thing they say, I will do it myself. Or I have to figure it out myself. But when you give him the quick analogy that, hey, when you were a little kid and you played Little League, did you just get out there and you know throw throw the ball across from third base to first base? Were you able to hit a home run off the first? And they were like, oh, no. 
well, how'd you learn all that? Well, my dad taught me how to, you know, throw and catch a ball. All right. Uh, what about hitting and you know, all that stuff? Well, I had a coach. Well, there you go. Right. It's that simple analogy gets everyone to start thinking like, yeah, you're right. You know, and uh, I can tell you, I, I think I heard this from uh, Tony Robbins when Tony Robbins does the thing. He goes, what are you doing to a child that's learning to walk? You know, he first gets up, he makes a couple of steps and he falls. He goes, well, what do you do? Do you yell at it and, and say, hey, you little bastard, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> you just let him sit there. And he's like, no, he goes, you, and he goes, that's human behavior. You, you encourage the little baby to learn to walk more. He goes, but why is it such a huge difference when it comes to being a business owner or a practitioner to say, hey, I need help. I need to learn to walk before I can run. And, you know, most of the times when I get to business owners and, you know, there's some that I don't work with because uh, we're just not a good fit or their just status is not what we could work with at the time. But I tell them, I'm like, you're trying to run and you haven't even learned to walk yet. And sometimes going back to leadership, leadership sometimes is just the walking. You got to learn how to walk first. And uh, you may have a practice that generates, you know, 1.2 million. But when you're only taking home, you know, one hundred and fifteen thousand or ninety thousand dollars, I'm like, hey, you're doing something drastically wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know, if you're generating that much, and I love those conversations when everyone tells me, like, yeah, you know, I have a million dollar practice. All right, you do? What do you keep? And when they tell me they're keeping less than their employees, I'm like, oof, that's a that's a that's bitter pill bitter to swallow. Pill. You know, well, you know, not everybody, and that's the other thing too. Is and and I'll let me do this. When I, when I got a coach, it was kind of a little bit of a contract where they're like, look, you're a new student. You got a better deal. Year two, you're about to be playing normal prices. So my point is you can find different companies or different individuals that you want to get a coach from. And they might have like a new doctor rate or you may not be able to afford the, the $1,000 a month guy, but you might be able to do the 495 guy. And there's nothing really wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if you, as long as you're not like in some kind of crazy long contract, maybe just a year or something you outgrow that person or you start making more money. Yeah, it's working. Do they have more to offer or I'm surpassing him now or her. Now I need another person and now I can afford to spend more money, but something's got to be better than nothing. I would think. Uh, I a hundred percent agree with you. And look, there's a lot of coaches out there and not to knock on the, uh, the coaching industry for physical therapy or for chiropractic. There's a lot of coaches out there that they just talk the talk. They haven't walked right. the walk. Right. But they're good at where they are right now. So if somebody's brand new, and just like what you said, where you were just starting up, you needed a coach. Well, that coach might have been able to get you to a hundred grand, and say, "Hey, look, I can get you to a hundred grand," and that's that's I what I can do. Specialize in startups, and you know, he might not come out. And say, yeah, he specializes in startups, but that might be all he knows. And then when you talk to that person, well, do you have clinics that you start up all the time? Well, no, I used to have one. I sold it. This is what I do now. He's like, okay, so you have a set knowledge about you know what you can do. But then you start seeing that, okay, I really want to learn more about the next level or, hey, you know what? Uh, this guy doesn't – he's not in the trenches anymore. He's not treating anymore. How do I know he has his finger on the pulse? You know, So that might be a question to you. Then you might get the guys that, that I usually get. By the time they get to me, you know, they are practice owners that are looking to expand. They already have one business. They already have one practice, and they're like, okay, I need to get to number two. I need to get to number three. I want to get to number 10. I need yeah. to get to number 20, right? That's that's where they're at. But, you know, and, and I'll even tell them, I'm like, hey, listen, if you're at that point, then you and I should talk. But if you're at the point just starting up, you're fresh out of college, you know what? Can I help you? Yeah, I could help you, but I don't have the time because my time, there's only so much time and bandwidth yeah. that I even have. And, you know, and that's the tough part. I try to explain to people. I'm like, I'd rather you go see uh, this guy or this girl because she would be a better coach for you because I know she has the time. But on top of that, she's she just got past where you are. She will remember exactly how to do it. My strategies will work, you know, but guess what? It's it's designed a little bit differently. And you know what? And I, I require it too much. And a coach has to niche down too. A coach, you're looking for clients. You're on a podcast. Yeah. Maybe you'll get a client out of this. It's the same way. Like if I wanted to be a coach, I might have to niche down and say, I only work on startups or I only work on expanding you from one clinic to two clinics or I, I specialize in hi you hiring associates correctly. Like, that's cool. Just own what you do. Yeah. Make a business. Yeah, out of it. I mean, I know a guy that just, uh, that just coaches people on how to answer the phone. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> it's a great, he makes, more, he makes more money than almost, uh, uh, you know, 90% of the coaching industry out there. 
And all he does is teach people how to answer the phone correctly. And, you know, I've taken his course. I've done, done his material. Um, and, you know, it was, it was okay. That's why I'm not dropping, right, dropping right. his name because I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to bat enough anybody. But, but it's great. I got to tell him that, that on that factor alone of niching down to that, big fan. Big fan, but I'm also a big proponent of the material has to be good as well. It has yeah. to be good. I mean, if you think about it, we didn't even talk about that because you know you got to narrow it down. But if you can't answer the question, do you take my insurance? Uh, no, actually, I just pay cash. Uh, what do your doctor do? I mean, there's so many questions that your your person who answers the phone has to be able to answer right to get the patient in the door. So like, it's it's worth having a coach for that, or at least it being a part of the coaching program because if you can't even get patients in the door, that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, I mean, uh, these days we, we've changed even that model on its head because I realized, uh, like I said in the early part of the, the interview, I've realized there's a lot of practitioners out there that don't have the risk tolerance that I have. Um, and these days we've developed a program where someone fresh out of school that's looking to start a practice, you know, we will tell them like, hey, you should work for other practitioners. Don't, you, don't come to us. But if you've been out for about four or five years, that's the person I want to talk to because if somebody's been out four or five years, then I know, hey, you've done the work, you've you've uh, you've you drank the bitter juice. Now you're ready to learn the the you know the inside of how to run a practice. And those are the people we take on an ownership track and build up a practice with them. Because and when you asked me earlier, like, hey, what's better? Do you start a practice from scratch? We are starting a practice from scratch with these practitioners that have experience that have been out for about four or five years. And that's our ownership track. And I'm more than happy to get them on board and show them like, this is how, this is leadership number one from day one, let's start working because I'm a firm believer that everyone should have their own business. They should have their own practice. Um, if that's not for you, that's fine. If you want to work in a hospital, you want to be a teacher again, but if you're out in the world in private practice um, and you're working for somebody and you're saying, Hey, I've done this for five years and I don't know what the next step is. or I don't have the money to start one. That's where I come in. That's where my joy and passion is right now. It's a, it's been a lot of fun for me at this point working with those type of individuals. Perfect. Oh, uh, we're going to switch it up for you. If you're okay with this, a little more personal. Yeah. All right. You mentioned home work life balance. What's a good way to A, achieve some work life balance and B, if you're, if you have a spouse, keep that spouse relationship healthy and loving. Great question, Justin. Absolutely, that's a you know what, and I have a lot of people that, that I work with that don't have this, and I'm going to share with you the the guy that taught me how to do this. So there's a, a coach that I still go to to this day. His name is Dan Sullivan. He runs a program called Strategic Coach, and when I went to him, uh, I specifically went to him because I heard not the simple fact of you can learn to run a business, but he had this thing called free days, buffer days, and focus days. And I really love that concept. And I said, you know what? I want to go learn from the master himself. So I went and learned from the guy himself. I'm still there. I'm still, you know, I still get coaching myself. Uh, I have multiple coaches that I love to learn from and I, you know, reciprocate. But uh, Dan has been uh, uh, implement, like integral, integral, uh, integral part of my, um, my learning. So free days, focus days, buffer days. So my free days, I do nothing uh, that's related to business. So those are days we have, uh, I tell my wife, you know, cause we have small kids. So, you know, we might not be able to do a date night because we don't have a babysitter. <laughs> so we do a date day. So we'll go out and have lunch. We'll grab a movie. We'll, you know, we'll do some fun stuff. We'll go shopping. We'll do th different things that she likes to do. Um, you know, maybe I, I like working out. So I'm like, Hey, let's do a workout class together. These are things that, Hey, we, we have figured out that if we do this once a week, or if we, you know, if it's a busy week, I get it. But maybe on the weekends, we we have the whole family out and that becomes my free day. But that's a day I do nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. I don't even, my phone is off that day. My phone is completely turned off and I don't pick it up again till 8 p.m. at night. And yes, there's a thousand messages. There's uh, emails, there's fires, but everyone knows, especially my uh, my executive assistant. She's the one that'll handle it. They say, hey, Joe, Joe is off today. Um, he will not be able to get back to this today. Is it if it's super urgent, I can get to him. But guess what? Ninety nine percent of the time, yeah. it's not super urgent. <laughs> Everyone goes, yeah. nah, I can wait till tomorrow." <laughs> so that's that's uh, how I handle the work life balance. And because I since I've learned that, and I've been in the program for four years, since I've learned that, I got to say my uh, attitude and my stress level has dropped drastically. 
because and I, I even implore my employees to do this, that we give them mental days. You should use your mental days if it's once a month. If it's, obviously, they can't do it once a week, but you should take time. You should do these classes. You should do a workout program. You should do something or just not show up to work and just blow off the day. But obviously, give us a heads up on it. Don't do it last second. But, you know, go, go out there and do something for yourself with or without your spouse, whatever you want to do. You know, sometimes you just need some alone time. You know, I know people that just go to a museum and they just hang out, you know, and they're like, that was a great day. But guess what? That employee or including myself, I come back supercharged, you know, and today for me, honestly, is today's a buffer day. I have a couple of podcast uh, interviews that I have to do and I'm on this one with you. Um, and then I have a couple of meetings that uh, I push back to the end of the day, but they're all phone meetings. So I physically don't have to go anywhere. You know, it's all technology based. It's all from home and it, yeah. it's not bad, you know? So it's, uh, that's kind of my work-life balance. Awesome. And, uh, any favorite books, blogs, or podcasts that you want to recommend? You kind of mentioned one or two so far. Yeah, uh, I think I uh, mentioned Extreme Leadership with uh, Jocko Willink. That's a must-have if you haven't read that book. I mean, I it's funny because I'm in my, you know, my home office right now. I am a big fan of physical books. I'm not a Kindle guy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Audible, too. Because I'm usually on the road a lot when I have to consult. So I just download a ton of books on Audible. There's so many right now. But I think ex- Extreme Leadership is the one thing that I really go uh, go to right away. Uh, there's the other book, Four Disciplines of Execution, which I like. really gets into management. You know, like these all, I'm a big, uh, you know, I'm a big Gary V fan for podcasts. Love listening to Gary, Gary V. Kind of just gives you that pump up that you need. That's always good. And, and, and again, it's, it's one of those things where if I can, if I scroll through or if I, I hear a recommendation from a podcast, I'll buy the book immediately. You know, there's, you know, I can, from, I'm looking at my wall right now and I can see good strategy, bad strategy is a great book. Uh, Gary V's books, which is, uh, you know, the uh, jab, jab, right hook was a great book. I think it's a couple of years old now. And, you know, obviously the classic books that are Napoleon Hill based, which everyone reads, uh, so good they can't ignore you by Cal Newport. Great book. So these are just a ton of books that are just sitting on my bookshelf that I'm just scroll- looking through, right, looking at right now, and saying, okay, what's up there? Uh, these are all just great books that I, I can't recommend enough. Very good. What's your website, sir? So the um, the website is my direct website is drjoesimon.com. Um, that again, that website is for those that want to work uh, with me at that what we described. Um, the podcast, the old podcast was private practice business Academy. You can still find that on iTunes. The new podcast is the 30 and 30 marketing for physical therapists. Um, I figured I just start chatting about marketing for, uh, for different, with different practitioners. And that's just a fun thing that I do on the road. Whenever I meet someone, we start jumping on the phone and some of my mentors have been on there with me over the years. I've reached back out to them and said, Hey, uh, starting a new pod- podcast, would you jump on and just share your knowledge? So the likes of Jay Abraham is on there and um, Dan, Dan Sullivan's on there. So it's great to get those guys to share their vast knowledge with you. So it's it's always fun. Okay. And did you want to mention uh, you're going to have a program coming out in January or uh, not in January, but sometime early by the, 2019? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, for, thank you for reminding me for that. So I finally put uh, my actual nine-step process that I do to grow practices from scratch uh, or if you are an in-network provider and you want to switch to out-of-network and cash, this nine-step process is something that I've actually videoed, put it down. Uh, it's an actual full program. It will be available early next year in 2019. So I will have the link directly on my website of drjoesimon.com so you can find it. Um, and it's just being tied up right now. We're just getting the editing done. We're getting the, the worksheets together. When I filmed it, I was... I was ecstatic to put everything down. You know, it was, it was something someone was asking me to do for a long time because they said, you know, you have all this stuff stuck in your head and it's working really well. It would be great if you could just get this down and it could be shared. And I'm like, you know what? That, that's a great idea. I think it's time to do that. Very good. Well, Dr. Joe, I appreciate you being on, dropping a lot of good nuggets for us today. Uh, and I was going to tell everybody, listen and implement. You're going to see some results in your clinic. I appreciate it, Justin. It's, uh, I implore you to keep doing the good work. Uh, great interviews that you have uh, lined up and which you already have out there. So 
for those that, you know, one I share it to my list as well. And for those that are from my list, please dive in, check out all of Justin's stuff as well. Appreciate it. That wraps up another episode. I want to remind everybody that we have some great affiliate links available. If you're into instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, we've got the Edge tool and we've got the Hawk Grips. Saves you about 10%. Also with the Edge, you've got the uh, like blood pressure cuff restriction system. You've got the G Suite inexpensive EMR in case you'd like doing cash practice. If you want to know what hosting I use for podcasting, it's Blueberry. Pure VPN. That's one of those ones I use to help keep my payments secure as well as access the internet more safely. You've got the Primal Paleo grass-fed protein bone broth style. Save 10% on that. No sugar, allergy-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those types of things. Mentor box. Get taught by the author. We got set for set for those floss bands that you may have heard about on one of the episodes. I really like those. Any Amazon products that you might want, click the link in the show notes pages. And of course, I got my own electric acupuncture pin to go with the No Needle Acupuncture book. From time to time, you know, I'll have a bundle set where you can get them all together for a great price. I also have the free downloads at doctorsperspective.net slash blueprints. And what lately I've been doing is substituting a fifth one, like I've done a knee. And depending on the guest, I might do a different type. So check back there. So all those resources can be found at doctorsperspective.net slash resources. There's also t-shirts at .net slash t-shirts. Put up some new designs from time to time, like making lemons out of lemonade, shrimp po' boy, plus all the chiropractic and podcast swag that you could want. If you have any ideas for guests, please send me an email, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. I'd love to hear who you think would be good or a profession that you may not have heard yet. If you can, send me a review. That's .net slash subscribe, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Android devices. You just click that button. It'll take you exactly to the page you need to. You can write a review, hopefully a five-star review. Like I said, it does help for other people to discover what we're doing here. And we've got over 100 episodes. This is going to be like our third year. Super excited. We're going to have a little mini-series like we've been doing, which has been fun. Hope you've enjoyed them as well. That's that's the feedback I've gotten. And one thing I haven't really talked about too much is the doctorsperspective.net slash support page. If you want to buy a, host a cup of coffee, go for it. If you want to pledge a little higher fee, there's buttons for that. There's even monthly recurring for those who feel like, wow, this is like the cheapest mentor coach program I've ever seen because you interview so many different kinds of doctors and, and I've been able to implement things that I've heard and it works. So monthly recurring payments, which also can get you my books for free, t-shirts for free. Uh, the first book, you know, that deals with health and exercise, getting on a diet, getting your financial health in order as well. Things I've learned in China. You know, that book is available as well. And one thing that I don't have, I don't have like a, a full-blown page about coaching and things, but there's a little button there. I've had people request, hey, doctors and non-doctors asking me, can I do more than just answer a couple of questions? Or could you be my coach for a little while? And I say, yeah, we can do that. So it's something I haven't really advertised, but it's something that I can do and do, whether it's marketing, some strategies for new patients, growth, those types of topics. If you're interested, just email me, justin at a doctorsperspective.net. As always, listen, critically think, and implement. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trostclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.